Hi, and welcome to RTB, the podcast from Northeast Ambulance Service. I'm Rhea Kilmister Dawson. I'm a trainer within the Emergency Operations Centre at Northeast Ambulance Service. And in this episode, I speak to Andy Williams, one of our patient transport operational managers. In our conversation, Andy tells me about the vital support our patient transport service provides to NIAS and to the wider healthcare system. So hi Andy, welcome to RTB. It's really nice to have you here. And um, Before we get started, why don't you tell everyone listening a little bit about yourself and give us some background? No worries. Hi Ria, I hope you're well. Thanks very much for having us on. Um, yep, I'm Andy Williams. I'm the South Division PDS Operations Manager. I joined NIAS in 2017 uh, on the bank and then I progressed um, on a bank as a, as a PTS driver, ACA. And then progressed on to a permanent rower. And then the opportunity came along a few years later to apply for the team manager post, which which I did, and I was successful. I was a team manager for a few years. And then just last year, the opportunity came along to apply for an operations manager. And I went for that. And again, successful, which I'm absolutely over the moon with. Um, one of the main reasons I want to do it is I can see the, the potential PTS has got within NIAS. So that gives us the drive to go ahead and try and make that difference. Like saying like the, the potential that PTS has, I don't think that people realise just how much PTS support across the board. It's not just about taking patients to appointments. So can you just kind of tell us a little bit about the role of, of PTS and PTS dispatch um, and how they kind of operate within the operations centre and out on the road? Yeah, of course. I mean, just going back to touching touching what you said before. Yeah, we are not just PTS. We are we are certainly not a taxi service that people that people sometimes say that we are. But we are much more than that. We we provide a, a vital service to patients who need to go to hospital for their essential treatment like dialysis or chemotherapy to your routine appointments that they need to go to. And there's thousands of patients out there who who need that. But um, an aging population, some people can't use their own transport or public transport. So that's where we step in. There's, a, there's a, a booking service that patients can ring to book an ambulance. It also comes through GP surgeries and other various different ways they can book online. And we take that booking and we ask certain questions in relation to the patient's mobility, uh, access into the house, what appointment they're going to, what what's the destination. And then we provide that transport, which is vital to people. And that's that's the essential, essential travel that they, the patients need. It's a very, very complex system, and I think it, a lot of people are ignorant to to PTS, and they don't understand how it how it operates. And that's one of the things I want to promote is is give a bit of education to go out there so people understand how PTS works, and that'll help NIAS and and hospitals and the hospital trust that we work with to understand what we do and the service we can provide. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can just tell us a little bit more about um, kind of how PTS dispatch works within the operations centre, because I think a lot more work goes into it than than people really understand. It is a massive job and how you organise all this transport for the patients within our region. It is a massive job. Um, it's a massive job for the, the planners who work in the operation um, in the operations centre. We provide thousands of journeys a day um, and, and that task is, is huge considering the number of factors that we have to take into consideration especially the patient's mobility the access to the house the distance they have to travel to the hospital the number of patients we travel the number of patients we can get on a vehicle all that has to be taken into consideration the operations centre use a, a, a system a cleric system like, like auto plan and there's lots of tweaks being made to that at the moment 
to make sure we can maximise efficiency with the number of vehicles we've got, the number of resources we have on the road, to make sure that we can pick the patients up within a reasonable amount of time to get them to the appointment, but then also to be able to pick them up and get them back home. The logistical task is were dictated by how hospital appointments work. Some patients could be in an appointment for 10 minutes. They could be in for an hour and a half. There, there are parameters we have to put in our system to allow us to, to book patients and get patients home on time. But there's so many different factors that has to be taken into consideration. It is just a, a huge logistical task. And what we're trying to encourage staff to come into Mauritian Centre to see exactly how that works so it gives people a better understanding. Yeah, so like getting the ACAs to come in off the, off the road, the PTS drivers to come in off the road and actually see what their operations centre colleagues are doing on a day-to-day basis. We're asking some of the um, operations centre staff to come out onto the road with staff so because they... They can see exactly how things work with regards to traffic, the distance they have to travel, the time it takes to take a patient into a hospital, um, transfer them from one chair to an, to another, walk them to the department. There's so many different things that can impact on that. And it's 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 such a live environment every single day. Um, and there isn't a huge amount of staff to look at that. Um, as much as we like to flood the operation centre with, with so many staff. Um, that's one of the challenges we have at the moment, but that's been looked into. Just picking up what you said there, the pass to PTS work, I was going to um, just ask about you. So obviously as a health advisor, I'm aware that like the patient transport service actually does do a lot of support on emergency care and you do a lot of support on the non-emergency yeah. emergency care. So what we call the urgent jobs, um, where it's a non-emergency ambulance that's going out to provide transport that's on a like on the day. Um, so it's not quite an emergency, but they still need to go into hospital. Can you just kind of talk to us a little bit about how that works for you guys um, on PTS, like how you um, manage that? Yeah, of course. Um, it, it's one of those concepts that come in. It, it, it just seems to make sense. Um, we want the emergency ambulances to be out on the road for um, emergency situations. There are a lot of jobs, a lot of incidents that come in that, that you say that don't require that emergency response. So that's where we step in. For the, the lower acuity jobs, in respect of the past PDS work, what happens there is if the call comes in, whether through 111, 999, or through a GP surgery, then it's been assessed by a clinician within the operations centre. And once it's deemed suitable for transport only, we can then get the job and the, and the, the patient's journey is is part of the terrific system. And then the, the, the crews can see it, the crews can highlight it, and then and that's where we come in and do all those journeys to keep the emergency ambulances out there on the road. So the delay is less, the, um, the patient's experience is much better than not waiting hours and end for hospital for other ambulances to turn up. And that's how it, that's how that system works. It also works going back into the into the operations centre because if a crew go out and they think patient doesn't quite look right, the information on the terrific isn't quite what, what they're presented with when they speak to the patient, they can then have the option to ring one of the clinicians in the operation centre and discuss that with them. And if they think it needs upgrading to a category two, then we can do that. But also it gives the crew the reassurance that they've got a clinician there on the end of the telephone to help them make that decision as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the clinicians in operation centre, they, they work hard. They work very, very hard supporting all of us. So just going back to what you're saying about the kind of potential for the development of PTS in Northeast Ambulance Service and the route that you're going on, obviously you have been doing a lot more support of emergency care since COVID. Yep. We've seen an uptick in that happen. So where do you see that going? Because that's kind of now embedded in the way that we work. Where do you see that going over the next few years and how you can develop that you're su- like, I don't even want to say supporting role, just the the way that you're now working with unscheduled care in a like, much more meshed way. And See it becoming the norm. We've got we've got crews on the road who are who are very enthusiastic and dead positive. I said for the last few years as a team manager, operation manager, the last couple of years has been a great time to come onto PTS. 
because we're, we're moving forward. I like to use the phrase, we're coming out of the shadows, shall we say. They know who we are now. We're being spoken about because we've been, been able to show what, how, how good we are and what we, what service we can provide. And it's great that that's been recognised and it's been pushed forward. Mm-hmm. So I can say just going from strength to strength, we can start building on it. And likewise, not not everybody, like going back before, not everybody in NIAS knows who we are, what we do, but we're certainly getting there. And it's it, it's really positive to hear that when people say, oh, I didn't know you did that. That's really good. And it's like, it's the same when we go to hospitals. It's it's educating people and letting them know what we do. And that, that's part of our wider scope is, is building relationships with hospital trust commissioners and get GP surgeries and getting out there and telling them, this is what we do. This is what we can provide as a service to yourselves and most importantly to the patient. Well, yeah. that's, it's always going to be patient-centred for us, isn't Definitely. it? That's always going to be at the core of everything that we do. So I I know um, about the evacuations team just from my my, my role in, in training and, and as a health advisor previously. And we've had one of your colleagues has already spoken a little bit about it. Um, but I would be really interested in what you think would be kind of the next step. So you have the evacuations teams and they work really, really hard. They do a great job going out and helping mm-hmm. the unscheduled care staff when it is emergencies. What do you see as being the, like the next step to up that that support and to kind of really put out there the, the fantastic job and the experts that yep. you guys are? Because you are experts in moving and handling. One of the next steps already, um, because of the equipment that EVAC have, evacuation team sorry on their vehicle we've tapped into that a little bit it's been recognized that patient transport needed more equipment so we put we put a, a business case together to buy more equipment but we looked at we got staff involved we got ASA ambulance care assistants involved we got team managers involved we got the evac team involved as well so we didn't just go but look let's see look through the august catalog and buy something at random we wanted to make sure what we were buying was going to be effective I was going to say, if you can get a, a hoist out of the Argos <laughs> catalogue, they're certainly a lot better than they so were. So that, that's the next step we, we've done. <laughs> and we've now been able to put more equipment on stations, more equipment on vehicles. The staff have been trained. It's been such a positive um, outcome from it all. The, the feedback we're getting from staff is is fantastic. The feedback we're getting from other hospital trusts, occupational therapists who we deal with for discharging patients to make sure they're safe when they discharge. We've been getting some amazing feedback from them and it's like, that's a fantastic piece of kit. I've heard the word uh, game changer being used. And that's all down to us, really. We, we've pushed it forward. We've put it out there. Amazing. Um, I know I'm blowing my own trumpet, but it's been amazing. Absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's the next step that we, that's probably already been blow away. already been achieved. The next step again, maybe a scheduled care evacuation team. That, that's maybe in the pipeline, but let's see how this first step that we've done it goes first. And then let's review it and have a look. But it's only going from strength to strength, I can tell you that. And it, and it should. It's a fantastic resource and something that was very, very sorely needed. So just to mm-hmm. kind of because my obviously my background's in operations centre, so I'm I'm very interested in that side of it. So what's the role of like the PTS comms officers and the PTS dispatch officers when it comes to things like um, if there's problems with the, the road crews or, you know, patients late and having to shuffle things around? They're probably at the forefront of it all, to be honest. Um their job is very, very difficult because of the number of patients who are coming ready. In blue sky thinking, if everybody's patient was exactly the same time and they went in at the same time and came out at the same time, it would be much, much easier. But that's not going to happen. The, the, the tasks, the, the, there's so many things that they have to do. It, it's a, a very difficult task. But they, they do a fantastic job in making sure that staff are going for the meal breaks, 
they're moving jobs around. They see things flashing on the screen. So if a patient's coming ready, they can see what crews are available. They might have somebody at a hospital waiting already. They can put the crew on. They liaise with team managers with regards to any issues that might may pop up. Um, so they're, they're always it's always a live environment. It's moving all the time. So their job is very, very difficult. Um, and I take me half to them, to be honest. We had an event up just the other week where we, we showcased our new equipment. We took up some PDS vehicles as well. And we also took up some ambulance care assistance. And they actually went into the operations center and sat down with some of the staff in there. And they had their eyes opened. They said, there's no way I would like to do their job because it's an absolute nightmare. But it was really positive. <laughs> they came out of there and went, I didn't know half of that you happened. That they don't you from and both that's sides. the relationship we're trying to build as well because it's such a logistical task. Um, they do a, it, it's a, a very positive experience and they've fed that back to, to crews on the ground who now want to come into the, mm-hmm. into the control centre to see exactly how it works with the screens coming on and off and the, the patients coming ready, vehicles breaking down. They're just constantly juggled with so many things. Likewise for the, the planners, we, we plan the day before. So everything that's been planned today is for tomorrow. Um, it's difficult to open it up a, a week in advance because we don't know what vehicles are going to be available, what, what staffing levels we have, patients' appointments might be cancelled. So we, we only can only do it the day before so we can get it as accurate as we possibly can. And you, you've got to imagine that there's only a couple of planners who are experienced enough at the moment and they, they're planning 2,000 plus journeys a day. And it's just, when you're trying to get your head around it, it is, it's difficult too. It's one of those tasks where you've got to go up and actually physically see it. And I would, anybody listening to this, I would encourage you to do that because it's eye-opening. No, I would, I would definitely second that. I think anyone who's road staff should take the opportunity to come in and see just not just their own kind of yeah. perspective, like respective um, like co- operations colleagues, but just come in and, and see if you can sit an hour yeah, with a PTS call taker, sit for a couple of hours with the dispatchers, sit with the planners for an hour, just see the, all the work that goes in behind the scenes. So we've talked obviously about, you know, how PTS works the amount of work that goes into it and how you support patients and and about the evac team and urgence but people don't realize that you actually help on emergency calls as well like PTS, PTS crews can be called in to help on emergency calls when needed so why don't you talk a little bit about that and what that entails yes yeah, so when it comes to emergency calls well that that goes back to if a crew go out and they think it's the patient is suitable to just need the transport in, then, then we go out and, and, and assist that. Um, it might be a case where the, the paramedic or the AP um, advanced practitioner just requires that patient to go into hospital. Then, then we can turn up and we can do that just the same. It might be a case of where the paramedic or the advanced practitioner comes on the vehicle with, with the ambulance care assistant. That's no issue at all. Again, it's the patient experience, it's getting the patient where they need to be as quickly as possible without having to wait. And when the, obviously you've got the clinician, the paramedic or the advanced practitioner out there, Will they, when they like kind of radio back through and say, you know, we need this patient to go to hospital, but they don't need to go in an in a crude ambulance, and PTS go out there, is is that something that you have to kind of plan on the fly, or do you have people that are available to do that? How does it work for you within like having to kind of put it into your, um, like put it into your dispatch and that's a, that's a tricky one on it when it's the same day. And it's the same day yeah. because we've got so, we've got so many because we could predominantly we are a planned service and we've got so many patient journeys. It's just finding that gap that we have um, at the particular time if a crew is available. That's why your your dispatchers come in come into their own really to see what's available to be able to send a, the appropriate crew to go to go and help. And that obviously means that that emergency ambulance is then free to, to go, go back. Yep, to go back onto the road and, and assist the with the uh, Gucci jobs, I call them. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think yeah, that's that works very very well. Yeah. Um, and when <laughs> have you got any idea? You may not have, but do you have any idea about um, kind of figures for that? Like, how many crews are you helping to get back on the road by being able to provide that sort of support? I don't have the figures with regards to crews back on the road, but or, or, or exact figures. But we're into the hundreds. We're into the hundreds of um, pastor PDS jobs that we can do um, on a, on a daily and, we, and weekly basis. That's something we're we're keen to keen to look at and see exactly what impact we can have. And again, I think that's only going to grow. That that figure will go up. We've created the the ICA role, the integrated care assistant role, again to to support that particular area as well. They will they'll be allocated past the PDS jobs. They've had that little bit extra training as well. We're incorporating a, a, a watered-down handover procedure to allow staff to be able to record certain bits of information and then hand over to the hospital, the next healthcare profession, so there's no break in, a, in the patient's care or breaking that, the information that's required for the patient's treatment. That is so interesting. I did not know that you were developing an integrated care assistant role. That's really, really interesting. Might be a little bit of a spoiler. Can you tell us a little bit about that, like what the aims are for that role, like where you want it to be? Yep. So th- that is exactly what it is. Integrated care assistant, they do they do four elements to their role. It'd be past a PDS work. They will continue to do dialysis core work, um, the, the core PTS role, outpatient appointment and discharges. They're the four main areas that they will do. So in a nutshell, anything and everything other than other than the, the emergency stuff. So that, that's an IC role. And we've got staff who are, who are ready and willing to take that on. That's That's been implemented already. It's been in place for a few months. And that's how we're looking to see how our shifts fall in line with regards to past the PTS work that comes across on our stack to see how much of an impact we can have to support a The last thing you want is patients sitting hours and hours on end for a DC to turn up a 99 ambulance when you've got mm-hmm. when you've got a PDS vehicle sitting there that can do it with the staff on it who are trained who can go and pick the patients up take them in the hospital and the patients not waiting at home then get them to the to the hospital that is so cool so is it you're kind of looking to make that a whole team so that's like they they have like a team of ICAs and that's what they do is they just focus on the past the PTS stuff. Yeah, as, as well as the core stuff as well. So they integrate right across the trust, different different stations, different areas, different shift times to make sure that we're, we're maximising capacity with regards to our planned work, but also the past the PTS work as well, which can be incorporated into them as both. That is so cool. It, it's one of it, that's going back to the beginning. It's one of it just makes sense. It makes sense to do yeah, that completely. Yeah, absolutely does. Yeah, you know the skills and the knowledge that your um like ambulance care assistance the ACAs have is phenomenal and the way that they're able to kind of help help patients get out of their homes and and using specialist equipment and all that kind of thing is just fantastic so it makes utter sense to do that it does and we're trying to what we're doing is we're trying to empower staff as well and and make them feel yeah, that the, that the valued and part of the team because a lot when you go into a hospital you walk into a department or stand in the queue you, they no disrespect to the hospital staff but they just say green they think everybody's a paramedic um, yeah obviously we're not so we're encouraging staff to to let them know and not to use the word you're just PTS we're not just PTS we are much much more than that and that's where we want staff to feel to, to have the confidence to do that and then we're introducing, like I said, this handover process, so you can you can have that professional handover and not just there's Mrs. Miggins have a seat there. We're going the next job. We're better than we're much better than that. Absolutely. I mean, you're worth, the, in my opinion, PTS um, worth their weight in gold, and mm. they they take so much pressure off of other areas. I don't think people realise. Yeah. 
And you said you started in 2017. So in in obviously you've been through us through COVID. You've been with us through COVID and experienced that. Yeah. I think that was a baptism of fire for everyone in the <laughs> indeed, NHS. Indeed. Um, how have you seen the role change and the attitude towards the role change in the six years since you've been here? Um, it's changed for the positive without a shadow of a doubt. Um, we're, we're not just PTS. We are not just a taxi service. Um, the patients rely on us. Some of the patients can live alone and might not see anybody for months on end. And it might be the case that we, we turn up and we either take that patient to the hospital and they just want to chat all day long. And the, the attitudes have changed. It's much more of a better attitude. The, the culture's getting better. People are starting to feel empowered and feel more valued because of what we've been doing. Certainly in the last year, since me and one of my other colleagues, Amy, the operations manager in the north, have come on board. We've now, because we now got our own service line with Barry as our head of service, it's given us the opportunity to concentrate on just the PTS work and then push it forward and see how we can benefit the trust and the trust can benefit from mm-hmm. us as well. It's been a, a massive positive step forward, which I'm absolutely over the moon with, which is what I wanted to do. And it just gives a bit of pride thinking I'm being part of that. And that's that's what I wanted to help make a difference. Not the only one. There's lots and lots of other people as well. No, I think it's very well deserved. So I know the, the patients have appreciated you guys for as long as you have been around to help them. So it's only right that everyone should know the fantastic job that you guys do. And um, so just to, to finish off, Andy, a little bit of a cheeky question, if you don't mind. Um, what has been one of your favourite moments in the six years that you've been been working with um, with PTS for NIAS? Where where have you kind of got like, because you've got a lot of passion and you can hear it, you've got a lot of passion. So what's one of your moments that you've had in the last six years where you thought, yep, this is absolutely where I need to be right now? I, I suppose answer that is probably just recently becoming the operations manager. It's given me the, the authority of that right word, authority, the power to make that extra change. I can make them decisions. And I think the, the equipment, when, when we had the, um, in September last year, we had the, the transformation workshop week and we started putting things in place. What was the priority? Priority was PDS needs new equipment. We can't keep cancelling patients' appointments because we haven't got the right equipment or we haven't got the right, right resource in the right place. We shouldn't be doing that. That that's that is not a good patient experience. So that was put forward. I took the lead on that with the help of, of other staff within the trust, well, some of the project team. That was my, that was my main focus, and that that's probably it. I'm absolutely over the moon that we've been able to put a business case together. The trust have recognised that they've given us the capital expenditure to do, go out and spend some money on the right equipment. And it's been recognised, and the positive feedback we have, we've had, and we're still having, it's just brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So I would, I would say that one. I mean, you've put a lot of work into it. We can tell, and it's it's very, very well deserved. So, is there anything else that you want the wider listening public to know about PTS? Kind of like your last little thought nugget of anything that you think we've missed that you think people really should know about you and the, the work that you guys do? I just think it, it's, it's our time to shine. It's our time to shine within the trust um, and with commissioners and hospitals across the northeast to, to show them what, what we can do. Um, that, that's, that's from a management team, but also from the crews on the ground. The crews on the ground are the, patient, are the, are the people who know exactly how the patients tick. They know exactly what goes on in the hospitals with the different wards. So they are... They are what I could say our eyes and ears on the ground. Yeah, they can feed. I can do all the donkey work behind the scenes, but we we need them on the ground to listen to the patients, to to do what they do with the patient. Because at the end of the day, that that's where it all is. That's where the feedback comes from from the patients. The patients are getting what they need. Then I'm happy. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Andy. It is, like I said, it's been brilliant to talk to you. The, your passion is evident in the way that you talk, and I'm very, very pleased that you are here at NIAS and haven't gone somewhere else because we need that passion here. Thanks, Ria. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to RTB. Please like the show in your podcast app, and if you have time, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. If you've enjoyed today's episode, why not go back and listen to our previous episodes? If you'd like to get in touch about anything you've heard on RTB, or if you have a suggestion for a topic for us to cover in the future, you can email us at publicrelations at neas.nhs.uk.